Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Grace Church. We're going to begin with a reading from Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He was to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You know, we often hear this story told with the assumption that the reason it all happens this way is kind of because of bad planning. Bad planning on Joseph and Mary's part because, you know, the census would not really have required Mary to go with Joseph, especially a very pregnant Mary, to accompany him on this 90-mile, really difficult journey. It, it all seems rather ill-conceived, doesn't it? And when they finally do get to Bethlehem, the, the common sentiment that we normally have is that, well, they must have forgotten to make a hotel reservation. So maybe we have these images that come into our minds of this, this kind of frantic couple going, you know, from the Holiday Inn to the Country Inn to the Fairfield Inn, only to find there is no room anywhere in any inn. Talk about learning the hard way. And when they finally do find a place to stay, it's anything but ideal, right? We probably kind of imagine in our minds this rickety old stable filled, filled with dirty and stinky animals. Wow, what, what a mess. Hardly the place for the savior of the world to be born. If only they would have had a better plan. But what if, what if this was the plan? What if this was the plan all along? Maybe not their ideal plan, but God's plan. What if God himself bent the circumstances of the entire world, including the will of the mighty Caesar Augustus, just so that he could get Mary and Joseph to be in precisely the right place at the right time so that his son would be born exactly where and when he wanted? 
What if instead of looking at this account of the birth of Jesus as something like a story about bad planning or no planning or, or unfortunate circumstances or anything like that, what if we recognized instead that God not only planned every single detail of all of this, but then he went on and executed all of it absolutely perfectly. Because the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem fulfilled the promises of not only where this promised Messiah would be born, but also a bit about who he would be. Someone who was coming from the line of David, a king who would, who would sit on David's everlasting throne that God promised to King David. What kind of king must this be then? I mean, if it's true that the everlasting truth about Jesus' birth is that it all happened the way that God wanted it, what does it really say? What do those circumstances say about who this king is and precisely what he came to do? Well, on this special night, I want us to consider just a few things that these circumstances themselves reveal to us about who God is and, and how he came to us. He chose to come this way to us in Jesus and, and why that fact changes everything, changes everything. But before we get into that, let's, let's pray as we walk through this special time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, that we might come to know him and worship him as king of all kings and Lord of lords, that we might recognize and know him, not as just a cute little baby born in a manger, but the savior of the world, the forgiver of sins, the light of the world, and the hope for all humanity. We ask, Lord, that you be with us in these next moments that we share together in your name, because it's in your name, the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. When we think of how much has changed in our world over the last 10 months, I'm just betting uh, that Christmas maybe looks and feels a little bit different for you this year. I know it does for me. For my family, in our tradition has been we we go down and we spend time uh, in my hometown where I grew up. And this is the town where my parents still live today. It's often the only time of the year that my whole, well, at least my bigger extended family all gets together. But of course, <laughs> this year, everything is different, right? So we instead met my parents in a parking lot in Burnsville and we exchanged uh, greetings and gifts and virtual high fives and spent about all of 45 minutes together before it just got too cold and we had to break up the big party. I'm guessing it has been or it will be different for you and your family as well. Well, the census that was ordered by Caesar Augustus that we just read about made things different for Mary and Joseph as well. They lived at the time in Nazareth, but as was the Jewish custom, this was not a requirement for the whole world, but it, the, the Jewish people really uh, were closely tied with their land. And so as part of that custom, Joseph needed to register for the census in the land of his hometown of Bethlehem. So they, along with hundreds, if, if not probably thousands of people, traveled to Bethlehem 
all at the very same time. And so you can imagine that this, this large influx of people all kind of cramming into a small town surely did create a lodging issue. But this issue, this lodging issue and this one of uh, lack of accommodations is, is not really what we might think, at least at first. Bethlehem was certainly not a large city. Uh, and it was not also like, you know, a desert town with a strip of hotels like, you know, Las Vegas or something. This was a small town with, with very few hotels or inns at that particular point. Uh, but these travelers that were coming in were not looking for that kind of accommodation. These people were not tourists. They were families who were coming to be reunited for a purpose. This census had been a reason that people were getting together with their relatives. And so, you know, much like having relatives come and stay with you at your house for the holidays, uh, these family members were most often lodged in the homes of their relatives that live there. So when the text says that there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn, what that really means is that there was no guest room available for them. The word translated as in here is, is actually the Greek word for uh, guest room, or sometimes it's translated as upper room. So most likely they had gone to one of Joseph's family members' homes and other people that beat them there <laughs> were already staying in the guest room. Now, interestingly, archaeologists have uncovered more and more about these types of homes that existed at that particular time. The typical homes of the time had a room that was like an upper living area, but then they had this lower ground level area down below, and that's where they would have, you know, storage, and that's where they would care for animals, and that's where they would often bring in their most vulnerable and valuable animals in from outside and bring them in at night. And interestingly, because it, it often does get a little bit chilly uh, in Israel, uh, the body heat from these animals would then help heat the living area above. But all that to say, the point is that even though the house was already full of people, they still managed to make room for Mary and Joseph and the soon arriving baby. Now, it certainly may have not been the birthing suite of Mary's or anyone else's dreams, but in many ways, this part of the story teaches us something. It teaches us something very important about the need to make room for the unexpected. And preparing for the unexpected is certainly something that we've been learning to deal with over the last 10 months, right? But how much do we really like it? How, how, how well are we dealing with it? Uh, how much fun are we having, you know, thinking and rethinking and then reconfiguring our whole lives over and over again just to try to deal with this uh, viral visitor uh, named COVID-19? Well, the truth is that we much prefer things be under control, don't we? We would much rather that things were under control. Well, maybe even more specifically, we would rather things were under our control. We like things to be predictable and consistent, and uh, our goodwill and our peace toward one another are the very first things that are put to the test when we feel things kind of slipping outside or beyond our control. 
So with all that considered, how do you think the world is holding up in all of this? How are things going? Because I'd say it's a real mess. And yet, just as we've said before, God does not avoid our messes. He enters into them. He enters into the midst of our messes. And so just like this, you know, he, he comes in the middle of this messy makeshift guest room because the house is full of people and there's only a little room that they carved out there. The savior of the world, the king of kings, he comes to us in the midst of these circumstances, not, not as a theory, uh, not as an idea, uh, certainly not as a president and definitely not someone born in a palace. He shows up right on his time and he does it in the most unexpected way. And he asks, do you have any room available? And that's the very same question that he asks you and me today. Do you have any room available? The announcement of his unexpected arrival is a surprise to absolutely everyone, starting, of course, with the shepherds that we heard about. They're, they're outside of Bethlehem tending the sheep, and then the angel of the Lord shows up, and they were understandably terrified. But remember, the angel in verse 9 said, don't be afraid, because I'm bringing you, uh, some translations say, good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For today unto you is born a savior in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this again proves that this king, this particular king, is one like no other the world has ever seen. And the angel brings this good news to the most unlikely of people. Because at the time, shepherds were, uh, it didn't, didn't, didn't necessarily start out this way, but over time, shepherds were increasingly, increasingly thought of as, you know, these kind of smelly, unclean, lowly troublemakers, uh, even considered outcasts by most. Some towns, matter of fact, had even uh, rules and regulations prohibiting shepherds from even entering the city limits. And yet here the angel of the Lord comes to them comes to them, Does, doesn't come to the religious elite, they're still asleep, doesn't come to the government officials, doesn't even come to Caesar himself, but comes instead to the lowest rung of society, these shepherds, and announces that this good news was not just for them, but for all people. But at the same time, even more specifically, it actually is for them. The angel says that. He proclaims that this good news is for them. Behold, I bring you good news. For unto you a child is born who is Christ the Lord. And this is true for us today as well. Even though it is most unexpected, Jesus, our Lord, the Christ, comes to you no matter where you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your income is, no matter what your status in society is, no matter what job you have, no matter the color of your skin, no matter if you're a Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal or old or young or fat or skinny or any distinguishing characteristic whatsoever, Jesus Christ has come for you. And so the question is, do you have any room available? Do you have any room available? 
Now, upon hearing this news that the Savior, the Savior of the world had come for them, the shepherds left at once. They, they wanted to see this for themselves. And so they went, it says, with haste. They hurried. They gathered up whatever they needed and they headed to see the miracle of the newborn king. And they found him just as it had been promised to them. The king of kings was indeed born in the humblest of circumstances. Which I think leaves absolutely no question that when the angel said he came for all people, it means all people. And that includes these shepherds who were outcasts, who were overlooked, who were looked down upon, marginalized, as well as people like you and me today in whatever our circumstances, whatever our struggles are, whatever our challenges are. He came for you and for me, just like he did for these shepherds. But the truth is that even though he came for all of us, not all people receive him and, and not all people recognize him for, for who he really is. Some say that Jesus, well, he's just a fairy tale. He's, he's, he's just someone made up by weak-minded and superstitious people in order to kind of, you know, try to make themselves feel better. And, and, you know, others say, well, you know, Jesus did exist, but, you know, he was just nothing more than a, an example to follow. And, and they try really to reduce him down to little more than the embodiment of the golden rule, just like every other religion. And some reject him and call him a blasphemer as if he is someone who stands opposed to the real God. And then there are others. There are others. And it's always a miracle. There are others who receive him for exactly who he is. He is the real God. He is God himself in the flesh, fully God and fully human at the same time. The author and finisher of our faith, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the, the light of the world that cannot be overcome by the darkness. The one who is our redeemer, the, the great overcomer, the promised one, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So do you have any room for him? Do you have any room for him in your life? Or are you just, are you too busy? Are you too busy solving the world's problems and trying to get everything under control that you don't have any room left for him? Do you have room for him in your house? Are you living your life in such a way that demonstrates the faith that you have, that, that people notice that the spirit of God is living out in and through you and you're exhibiting the character of Jesus? Do you have room for him in your house? And do you have room for him in your heart? Because there are lots of things in this messy world competing for our attention. There are lots of things that we worship. Most of the time, we don't even realize we're doing it. And so the question is, do we have any room left in our hearts for this God who has come to us and for us? Because if you do, then consider how the people here in the Christmas story responded. When the angel proclaimed the good news to the shepherds, all of heaven broke out in song. The heavenly host broke out and they rejoiced singing glory in the highest. 
And then when the shepherds found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger, they preached this same good news to all who were there. And it says the people were amazed at what they heard. And as Mary listened to this, she treasured in her heart and she pondered this this amazing journey that she'd been on with this baby up until this point. And she, she marveled about, well, what must this mean? What must this mean? Not just for me, but for the future of the whole world. And then as the shepherds returned to tending their flock, they did so while they were glorifying and praising God for all of this, all of the things that they had seen and heard. And so for us, whether it's proclaiming or preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in a world full of messes, in a world so desperate for good news, so in need of true hope, or whether it's pondering, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. And so maybe pondering the miraculous words of God and understanding this, this truth right inside of your own heart that God has come for you and that God is doing all that he has promised and accomplished in and through Christ in you. Maybe that's your response or maybe your response is that you just can't help but praise him. You just can't help but glorify this God. You see, the interesting thing is that when we glorify God, then we have peace with other people because God gives us that peace that we cannot create for ourselves. It comes from him. He gets the glory for it, but we get the peace. So can we praise him for that? Can we praise him for all that he has done for us? All that he continues to do for us. I pray that, that this Christmas, that you will make room for Jesus in your life and in your house And in your heart, like, like never before, because God knows that we need him so desperately. He came for you to save you and to free you from sin and also to claim you as his very own. This, this promise goes on forever. And so may his peace be with you now as he leads and guides you one step at a time all the way into eternity. Jesus, the light of the world, was was born into the humblest and the messiest of circumstances. But no matter what, the darkness can never, ever overcome him. Merry Christmas.